You're listening to Titan Nature's Yellowstone, a podcast for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Sponsored by Think Tank Photo. Think Tank Photo designs camera carrying solutions for working professionals. Welcome to another episode of Titan Nature's Yellowstone. This is your host, Adam. If you've been tuning in the last few episodes, I've been doing introductions. And you're probably thinking, where are the interviews? Was you have the content that he talked about? And I'm getting to that point. So I have two more episodes, kind of introductions. Uh, this one is going to be, you know, preparing for your tr- first trip to Yellowstone. What you should expect, what you can do, safety, you know, what you should bring. Trying to help you prepare for your first trip. Uh, the next one is going to be an update where Yellowstone is now open. Yellowstone is now open. I've done my first couple tours in the park. Uh, then I'm going to kick off May with the first interview and then get into the week-by-week breakdown that uh, I mentioned in the introduction. So let's go ahead and start. This is, you're coming to Yellowstone. Maybe it's your first time, second time, third time. And, you know, how do you prepare for that trip to Yellowstone? What should you think about? So a couple things that I see on my tours that, you know, people forget or they don't have. These are things that I've heard and I'll talk about other things as well. I think one of the big ones is people forget to bring a pair of binoculars. There are chances, you know, for example, the the bison. You're going to see bison up close, most likely. Not all the time. Uh, there's a good chance of that. And probably elk as well, depending on where you visit. But for a lot of the wildlife... And, you know, even sometimes, you know, maybe it's the middle of summer and the bison are all far away. And you come to Yellowstone expecting to see wildlife without a pair of binoculars. It could be tough to have a good experience with wildlife. Um, so, and that's binoculars, that's a spotting scope, um, some kind of optics so that you can view the wildlife better. And, you know, there's a couple options for that. You can go buy a pair. Uh, if you're going out to buy a pair, couple recommendations. I use Zeiss. Zeiss is going to be a higher end, higher quality binocular spotting scope. It's going to be a little bit more expensive. The payoff is good though. And so if it's something that you're going to use for a long time and you want to make an investment, look at Zeiss Optics. You know, something uh, a little bit more affordable or maybe it's not something that uh, you use as often others is look at Vortex. Um, I have used Nikon in the past and I've actually just switched to uh, the Vortex Raptors, it's a lower end but sturdy binocular, and it is going to do great for viewing wildlife, especially if it's just a day trip or if you're using it occasionally. For binoculars, I like something that's like an 8x32 or 8x42. The other option is if you don't have a pair, you don't want to buy a pair, there's a couple places around Yellowstone. Uh, Gardner, Montana has Optics Yellowstone. West Yellowstone, Montana has Yellowstone Camera. I believe out of Jackson, there's a camera store there as well. I'm not sure out of Cody, but there are options of places that you can rent binoculars or rent spotting scopes and tripods for that. So that's just a, a thing that a lot of people forget is having a pair of binoculars. It can go a long way. Now, very important to clothes. How do you dress for visiting Yellowstone? And this is year-round. It doesn't matter if this is the wintertime, if this is the middle of the summertime, you need to dress in layers. 
when you start out the morning, it's going to be cold. Uh, you know, I'm going to use the summer as an example. In the summertime, you can wake up and it might be 40 degrees outside. I mean, it could be 30 degrees outside. Uh, it's going to be chilly out in the mornings. Uh, in During the daytime, you can see highs through the summer as high as 90 degrees. But at the same time, weather changes rapidly. You know, in the summertime, we'll get these afternoon thunderstorms that roll through. Clouds come through, wind picks up, it rains a little bit, temperature drops. Or you're going on a hike. And in the morning, it starts cool. You get to the top of the mountain, and it's going to be cool again. Where in between, as you hike, you're going to get warm. Uh, but So think about layers. And as far as layers, well, what do you mean by layers? You know, maybe you have a pair of pants that uh, zip off at the knees. You know, that's a good option. So you have long pants on, something you can zip off as it gets warmer. Uh, layers, you know, have a shirt, a jacket, some kind of rain clothing. Um, uh, a hat is very important. A hat protects you from the sun. And you think, well, I'm, I'm working on my tan. You got to remember when you come to Yellowstone, you could be at 7,000, 8,000 feet. And so your higher altitude is going to actually uh, allow you or cause you to burn faster than maybe what you're used to back home. So the heat hits you a little different here. And if you're used to, you know, more of a moist heat, if you're high humidity, it's very dry here. And I should, as a note with that is um, with the higher elevations and how dry it is, I, I hear and see a lot of people that get altitude sickness. With altitude sickness, maybe it's a headache or, a, you know, a stomach ache. You just don't feel good. Uh, water and keeping hydrated is probably the best way to prevent or to overcome that. Other things to think about bringing, you know, in all these areas around Yellowstone, you're going to find some kind of grocery store. Uh, a lot of the areas, it might be a smaller grocery store like Cook City, Gardner, uh, West Yellowstone. They're all going to have smaller grocery stores, but there's um, places that you can pick up food. When you go into Yellowstone, uh, it wouldn't hurt to just bring a sack lunch, bring food with you, bring your dinner with you. As you're going to notice that when you get into the park in the summer months, it's going to be busy. It's going to be harder to uh, not only to get the food, but then to find a place to sit, eat, or maybe you're out in the middle of Hayden Valley or you're at the lake or in Lamar Valley and you're thinking, you know, we got to travel a half hour to go find something to eat, but you have other things you want to do along the way. So just providing a picnic for yourself is a great or something to consider. Just bringing your own food into Yellowstone do you need to bring bear spray with you? Well, most likely if you're flying, you're not going to be able to bear, bring bear spray with you. Bear spray is something that you need to consider. You know, are you hiking? How many people are in your party? What parts of the park are you going to be visiting? If you're just going to spend a day or two, you're going to walk around the geyser basins, you're not going to be wandering too far off the road, then maybe you don't need bear spray. Uh, if you're going to do hiking, you're going to be leaving the roadside and you're going to be in Yellowstone for a while, bear spray is something to consider. Now, you can get it locally at a lot of places, and they're typically not price gouging you. Bear spray is about $50. With bear spray, watch the videos, you know, watch a video, understand what it is before you, you know, feel comfortable just walking out with it. You need to know what you're doing with bear spray. The other option is there are rental options uh, throughout Yellowstone or in Yellowstone and through the surrounding area. Now, I see one at the, the Canyon Visitor Center, right next to the Canyon Visitor Center in Yellowstone, is very accessible. 
And in that way, not spending the money if you don't want to, or you know, you're flying back and you think I only need this for three days, and if I don't use it, what I'm going to do with it? So you have that option to rent bear spray. Oftentimes, people coming in through the summertime, they pack bug spray with them, or do you need bug spray? And the answer is yes and no. I would say that generally throughout a lot of Yellowstone, bug spray is not necessary. Um, surrounding areas, I know places that I live in Island Park, Idaho, very necessary and doesn't always do the job. And there's some places like that in Yellowstone as well. And I think mostly what I have seen is on the southern side of Yellowstone um, from the you know the south entrance to West Thumb can have some areas that are really bad with mosquitoes. Uh, but in general, through a lot of the park, you know, there's going to be bugs. I, I remember I was eating lunch around the lake and there was, uh, I told the people, I think, you know, oh, we don't need to bring bear, or we don't need to bring bug spray down with us. And there's all these bugs and they're swarming and things, but it was more of a hatch. I mean, it wasn't like mosquitoes trying to get us. They were just bugs and they were kind of annoying. They weren't biting or anything. So really didn't need bug spray for that. And And then ticks, you know, do we have to worry about ticks in Yellowstone? In general, I would say no, you do not have to worry about ticks in Yellowstone. If you're on that northern range of Yellowstone where it's drier, lower elevation, and you're hiking through the brush and things, it's worth doing a tick check for. But in general, I think in eight, ten years, I've got a tick once, and that was kind of unusual. I'm not even sure if it came from Yellowstone, but in general, something you don't have to worry about. I, I mentioned uh, the higher elevation and getting burned, so sunscreen. You know, have sunscreen with you before you go on a hike, apply it, wear a ball cap. Uh, that sun can hit you pretty good here. And then have water with you. There are some places you can find water filling stations at, and the nicer facilities and the restrooms throughout the park. Uh, but it's always good just to have uh, extra bottles or of water, whatever that's bo bottles that you buy or you're filling your own bottles before you leave your, your lodging during the day. Have, have water with you. Go from what to bring into safety. Um, I mentioned the bear spray. Bear spray is important to have. It is a big safety precaution. Um, it's like insurance. You, you hope you don't have to use it, but it's it's nice to have when you do need it. Um, so, you know, some of the safety things to think about when you're visiting Yellowstone is there are no real hot springs that you can get into in, in Yellowstone. I often have people say, well, we brought our, our swimming shorts or our, our swimming suits just in case. Well, as far as hot springs, you're not going to need them. There's a couple places that are designated, that the park is designated for, I guess, swimming or soaking. And those are going to both be in rivers. One's referred to as the Boiling River, and the other one is in the Firehole Canyon, the Firehole Swimming Area. Uh, don't expect to get into any of the water. And with that as well, don't touch the water. And you're looking at temperatures from 110 degrees to 200 degrees, give or take some. And as a reference point, you know, 104, 105 is going to be your hot tub temperature, and 199 approximately is boiling at this elevation. And so don't touch the water. It's not something that's safe. You don't want to walk out to the hot springs so you can get a better look and bend down and touch it. The hot springs are dangerous. There's unstable ground, and so they have boardwalks in these areas. If you see an area that, you know, there's a hot spring without a boardwalk, it might be difficult to see. But if you look on the ground, there's probably a, a little log or something that says, don't enter, don't come through this area. And so as, as a rule of thumb, if you see steam, if you see any pools of water, it's not recommended or you, it's actually against the law 
to walk out into those areas. If you're going to be in the thermal areas, you need to be on boardwalks. And, you know, maybe it doesn't go as much for safety, um, partially safety, but as far as touching those, you know, stepping off the path, writing your names and things, um, it is illegal. You can't do anything that's going to change, you know, alter the hot springs, the thermal areas in any way. I've seen people trying to collect the water from the hot springs. Please don't do that. It's something that it is against the law. This is a, a resource that we are trying to protect here as far as the, the hot springs in Yellowstone. Uh, other things as far as safety, wildlife is a big one. You know, people are very excited to see wildlife. You're probably excited to see the wildlife in Yellowstone. The wildlife is dangerous. Here, it is wild. Sometimes we get into this, you know, maybe I'd call it the D Disney mentality, you know, that these these are attractions for us to enjoy and see, and and they are, but it's it's wild. So bison is the number one animal that probably causes injury to people in the park. And that's due to people approaching the wildlife uh, too close. And here's a couple examples. So uh, one that I've heard as well, I was, I was here first and the bison came towards me. Well, the bison has the right of way, whether that's on the road or on the trail, wherever you're at, the bison has the right of way. So if you're being approached by the bison or any other animal for that matter, you need to back away, get yourself in a safe place away from those animals. Uh, another thing might be, I wanted to, I wanted to get a selfie, or I wanted it closer, or I wanted to get a better picture, to get closer to the animal. Um, I'm going to mention bison again because that's very common for bison for people wanting to get closer to those animals. Bison seem like cattle. They might seem like they're docile. They can't move very fast. Bison are very agile. They're very fast. Think of if you've ever watched a rodeo and a a bronc rider or a bull rider, and how those animals move with a person on their back. Well, imagine that with the bison when you get too close. They're going to get upset. And so you don't want to touch them, get close to them. They are very dangerous, and they can react instantly without much notice. Same with bears, wolves, anything. You know, with most of the animals, the distance that you're supposed to be is 25 yards. So if you think of bison, elk, moose, sheep, pronghorn, all of those animals you need to be 25 yards from. If it's a bear or wolf, you need to be 100 yards from. And you might think, well, you know, I'm 50 yards. It's just eating, you know, from a, a wolf or a, a, a bear. And it's, I'm not bugging it. Or, you know, it's not going to get me. It's not going to do anything for me. Another issue that we have with some of these animals in the park is habituation. So the animal's becoming too familiar with people. If that happens and animals become too familiar, they spend too much time around them, not only can people get injured from those animals, but then the animal, I guess you could say in a way, is punished for those because they might have to be euthanized if it's becoming habituated. So not only are these rules to stay the 25 yards and 100 yards away from these animals uh, for your safety, but it's also for the safety of, of the wildlife. And, you know, with the wildlife and that safety, think, well, I'm 25 yards, I'm okay. I'm 100 yards, I'm okay. You know, think about, you know, this is the animal's home. This is the wildlife's home. Are you doing anything to change the animal's behavior? You know, the animal is trying to survive here. They're trying to find food. They're trying to do things um, to survive. And are we changing their behavior? So that's something else at the Park Service. And general, we, we shouldn't be doing is changing the behavior of the animals. 
And then I want to mention driving in Yellowstone. Um, yes, there is times that you have some traffic jams and you might feel it's bumper to bumper. You know, everybody's in a hurry to get somewhere. Uh, so to start with on the driving, you know, be cautious of where you're at, where you're driving, aware of your surroundings. So, for example, I've seen a couple RVs the last couple of years that I think they were tired of waiting in line to get somewhere. They, they decided they needed to go to a different direction. And so they've tried to do U-turns or try to back up in areas. And in a lot of places, the, the road's ledge has, you know, a, a six-inch drop. And they've taken those back tires over that ledge, and then they get stuck and they're blocking, blocking traffic. So be careful where you're trying to move around. A lot of the roads are narrow. If you want kind of wait just for a minute, you know, get up the road, find a big pullout, and use, use the pullouts. Um, try to avoid people. Uh, please, you know, watch, watch your speed in Yellowstone. The speed limit is 45. That's not only because, you know, other people are watching and, you know, going slow, but also there's wildlife along the roadways or wildlife in the roadways. And having that speed limit set at 45 is, is safe. It's the way to go. Oh, and if with that same thing, if you're going under the speed limit, if you're going 35, 30, you're trying to, to watch for everything. You know, there's, again, lots of pullouts. Use a pullout. Let other people pass you. You know, maybe they're trying to get old to, to old faithful for a certain time or for certain protection. Or you know, there's a, a specific place that they're trying to get to. So, you know, be courteous to the people behind you. And the same thing with that is there is so much to see in Yellowstone. And it's, it's easy to be distracted while you're driving, you know, to look one way and your vehicle turns the other way or you, you miss the stop sign, you know, a lot of things happen. So just be extra careful as you're driving in the park. Um, be aware of your surroundings, not only for other people driving and the narrow roads, but also for wildlife that's going to be in or along the roadways. Moving off of safety, another tip for as you prepare for Yellowstone is once you're here, or you know, actually even before you get here, try to plan out your day. Try to decide what you're going to do, what you're going to see, because you're going to get the most out of it that way. A lot of times what happens is you're excited. You get here, think, hey, we're just going to go out and see Yellowstone today. And it's not that easy. You know, as a couple examples, um, before I started guiding and I was working at a hotel or visitor center, there's a couple things that I would see. So start with, you know, I was at a visitor center in Gardner, Montana working, and some people came in. And it was about 10 o'clock in the morning. And they said, hey, we have the rest of the day. We want to see Yellowstone. Here's kind of the list of things that we want to see. And, you know, we have to be up by 5 o'clock or something. And so, you know, that gives them about seven hours. And to start off right off, to get from Gardner, Old Faithful, it's about an hour's drive. So you have two hours that are taken just in driving time, just going to Old Faithful and back. and then. You know, you get to Old Faithful and you think, oh, it just erupted. You know, we have to wait an hour and a half for the next eruption. You're three and a half hours into your seven days, or you're, you're three and a half hours into your seven-hour day, and you haven't been able to see anything yet. So kind of plan accordingly. Recognize how big Yellowstone is. Yellowstone's 2.2 million acres. It's about the size of the state of Connecticut. Plan out your trip. Uh, you know, Old Faithful has a hotline that you can call and get the prediction time. There's different apps from the Park Service as well as 
Geyser Times or Twitter where you can get the prediction times. So kind of work around that. Think of things you can do before and after or why you're Old Faithful waiting for the geyser to go off. And, you know, think about, you know, what you want to do. Is it the wildlife? Is it Old Faithful? Is it the hot springs? And, and pick what species, maybe pick what species you want to see. What are targets? And then do some research to where you can find, find those species at. Or the hot springs, you know, it, for an eight-hour day on a tour that I would do, you know, we're stopping at Old Faithful and one or two geyser basins. So if you're thinking, oh, yeah, we want to get a three-mile hike in, we want to see these three geyser basins, catch Old Faithful, and go see some bison, that might be very difficult for you to do in a, in a day if you're not planning that out beforehand. Choose, maybe start with what thermal features do you want to see? You know, I would like to see a hot spring with colors, and I want to see mud pots. So that narrows it down for you. And then you're like, oh, if we go to fountain paint pots, we'll be able to see a hot spring and we can see mud pots in that one place. Oh, and we happen to go there and there was a geyser going off too. It's a bonus for us. And so you can check those two off your list and be like, okay, we've, we've got that. Uh, we're headed towards Old Faithful. We went and watched Old Faithful. Well, we want to see a bison. You know, we, we missed him along the way. So you, you go to Hayden Valley and you've seen a bison you know, checked off and you think, I've done everything on my list. I've, I've hit it all. Now from here, you're like, okay, now we can drive and we'll just stop at some of these places that we see right along the roadway. Is this, if you go and you're like, oh, we, we're passing the waterfall, let's stop. And, oh, we didn't, we didn't know that was here. Let's stop at uh, Biscuit Basin and Black Sand Basin too. And all of a sudden, you get to Old Faithful. Um, you watch Old Faithful and you think, oh, we got to get back out of the, the park for our dinner reservation. And you missed your bison. And so those are just some examples of why to plan out beforehand. You know, have an idea of where you want to go, what you want to see, because there's a lot to do in Yellowstone. There's a lot to see. Uh, and with that, there's activities that you can do. Maybe it's going to go fishing. Maybe it's a horseback ride or a boat ride on Yellowstone Lake. There's a lot of different opportunities, a lot of different things to do in Yellowstone. So have a plan. Have something in mind that you want to do before you get here. You can do a lot of research, you know, Google things to do, look at TripAdvisor, contact a guide company, you know, ask around to see what are some options and how you should, how you should plan accordingly. And on top of that, I mentioned food earlier, bringing food. You know, you add lunch into the equation at Old Faithful and you might have just, you know, another half hour to an hour trying to get through line, trying to order your food and eat in that area. And I'm not saying that, you know, have to hurry through and get all these things done, but I'm just trying to help you that understand that if you are on a limited time schedule, think about things to do beforehand and have time to relax, have time to enjoy yourself, enjoy your trip to Yellowstone as well. So a few last thoughts and notes and things as I, I finish this up is there's a lot of different activities to do. I mentioned geysers and hot springs and the wildlife. You know, I just briefly mentioned maybe horseback riding or fishing. If you have a little bit of time out here or you have some time to spend in one location, you know, whether it's at West Yellowstone or Jackson or Gardner, you know, spend some time there. Spend three, four, five days. As beyond seeing the park, this is a beautiful area and there's lots to do outside the park as well. In inside of Yellowstone, there is no watercraft allowed on any of the rivers. You can on the lakes. So if you maybe you want to get in the river and go for a float. And all the locations outside of Yellowstone have some great opportunities for that. 
horseback riding and great trail rides inside of Yellowstone. There's also some great ones on the edge of the park, outside the park. There's places you can do zip lining. And so there's lots of activities that you can do in the surrounding area that's still part of the greater Yellowstone ecosystem uh, that's not included in Yellowstone. And beyond Yellowstone, a lot of people ask, well, is it, is it worth visiting Grand Teton National Park? You know, those two parks are separated by seven miles. And I think it is, you know, so if you have an extra day, depending on where you're staying at, it could be a long day, but it's worth going down and taking a look at Grand Teton National Park and seeing the mountains and the wildlife and the areas that it has. Maybe walk around, you know, downtown Jackson. It's, it's a little touristy, but that's kind of what people are coming out here for. It's a neat downtown in Jackson. There are other things you can do around the outside of the area besides, besides Old Faithful, something to consider. Uh, airports in the area, I'd say the major airports are going to be Bozeman, Montana, and Idaho Falls, Idaho, both smaller airports that aren't going to have as many connections to places. Uh, then you have Salt Lake, and you have Jackson, which are going to have more direct flights from different areas. Jackson is, of course, right there on the edge of Grand Teton, you know, just a couple hours to Yellowstone. Salt Lake's further away, about a four-hour drive, um, depending on what part of Yellowstone that you're visiting from Salt Lake up to, up to Yellowstone. And so with that, again, if you have any, any questions, if you have any other further input about Yellowstone, feel free to reach out for, feel free to request information. Uh, I always tell me, I always, I always mention, call me or text me or email me. Um, you can find my, inform- my contact information easily. Go to www.tiedtonature.com. That's my website where you, you can find more contact information. You can contact me directly from the website or my email is info, I-N-F-O, at tiedtonature.com. And Tide is T-I-E-D, so TideToNature.com. Just to give you an update for the, the next couple, or yeah, I guess the next couple episodes to look forward to is the next episode. I'm going to give you an update. I'm going to do my, my, I guess you could say my monthly update, what's been happening in Yellowstone, uh, what wildlife has been out, where it's been at, uh, what geysers have erupted. So next week, watch and listen for that. And then starting in May, that first week of May, I'm going to have the first interview that I'm going to release. And this interview is with Julianne Baker out of Gardner, Montana. And we discuss hiking in Yellowstone, which I think is a great way to start as you prepare your trip and you're thinking about hiking, uh, where to get off and how to prepare for a hike. Julianne and myself will discuss some hiking in Yellowstone. So once again, thanks for tuning in to Tide to Nature's Yellowstone. And please follow, like, Share this so that other people can find it and give us feedback. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Tide to Nature's Yellowstone, the podcast for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Keep up to date with Tide to Nature and Think Tank Photo on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Woo!